You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels, a part of the peak community, part of the Flip My Funnel. And I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author. And she also, this would get you, she's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for, for joining me uh, and doing this series. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is this series all about? All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. I love that. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing, and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately, whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series. Yeah, sure. So just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver, who talks about building a culture of empathy. Then I have Mary Henderson. She based, is based in Australia, and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us you know, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I am, I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books, one of them being Key Person of Influence, The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. He's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost every one of this sounds like a story worth going through. Uh, one of the things, and this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about 10 or so that we're going to have in for you and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So if, if and it will tell you if this is the one, the first episode, or is this the eighth episode? So you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch some of or listen to some of these video interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Angie Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book, Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. Mm. And he asked this very question that what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And, and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell maybe a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or, or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to 
have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to, you know, the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews. And if we can just make a difference in one person's life, I know it would be all worth it. I love it. And again, this is what I love about this, this takeover series. You get such a different perspective. And Amber, you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series. So Amber, again, thank you so much for doing it. All the information to connect to Amber, her company, her book, uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And Amber, let's take it away. Awesome. How to win on LinkedIn. That's the topic of the hour. Hello, good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to Spreading Ideas with Amber Khant Show, where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact using content to touch and change the lives of many. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more practical, yet scrumptious takeaways from each of these recording sessions or lives like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. Now, my today's guest is a humble, kind, and a very generous soul. She's the winner of Women of Inspiration Award 2019, a globally recognized LinkedIn trainer, a Forbes contributor, and founder of Decide to Be Kind movement. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Shelly Sliger. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? So excited to be on the show. I know. I, I'm more excited than you are. By the way, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. <laughs> and you're one of the few. So <laughs> oh, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Because I yeah, because I don't want to get drunk. Because it's it's just awful if you get people's names wrong. Um, so yeah, so we we started on the right foot. <laughs> Alrighty, Shelly. Now before we get into the cheese and wine of this conversation, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Are you ready? I am. All right, let's go. Now, if you could guest star in any TV show, what would it be, and who would you play? So it would have to be, I would be part of the Chicago series. So there's mm-hmm. Chicago Med, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. I would like to be in all of them because I love action. Yeah. And I love, like, I would just like to be, you know, in that fire truck. I would like to be driving it and I would like to be saving lives. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Which you still do in your current life. <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a public speaker, actually. There were two things. I wanted to be a public speaker and I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. Oh, yes. That's that's, so funny. That's what I wanted to be as well. A crime scene investigator. (laughs) That's funny. That's so awesome. Okay. If you were an Olympic athlete, what would be your sport? Curling. Because I curl. Uh, so I've been curling for a number of years um, and uh, 
I just love it. It's it's strategy and um, strategy and fun all mixed in one. Wow! So you do it as as uh, stress relievers, as a hobby, as fun? Um, I do it competitively to some degree, oh. but but definitely more for fun as well. I'm more of a social curler now, but there okay. was a time I was playing competitively. Um, yeah, so curling is great. Wow! Wow! Are you the first curler I've ever met? <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people say actually. I, I can take that off my list now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you could read one book over and over for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would definitely be The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown. Oh, of course. <laughs> and I do read it over and over again. It's my it's my go-to. So Oh, wow. My sister would love that. I think she's currently reading that. It's an excellent book. It's something you you can go to, you know, I just have it there when I need it. I, I use it so, but I love all her books. But uh, she's one of my faves. But uh, yeah. the gift of imperfection is is great. Just puts oh. a lot of things in perspective. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And lastly, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Don't ask for uh, permission. Ask for forgiveness. Ah. <laughs> That's very interesting. Ask. Don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah. I bet this also comes from you reading, Brene. Uh, no, it was actually uh, many years ago, my mentor, he was a former boss and became my mentor as well. And he said, you know, Shelly, I believe in you. So yeah. don't ask for permission for everything you want to do. Just go for it. And if you have to ask for, you know, forgiveness after, then we'll deal with it. But just believe in yourself because I believe in you. So, um, oh, wow. and I've always like, I, I've always held that, you know, very close to me. And I try to make sure that people who are around me and that the people that I get to influence, I want them to know that I believe in them. So it's just something that I carry around uh, with me all the time. That's a beautiful message to pass on, basically. Yeah. To pass on to others. All right. This means, Shelley, that we did it. <laughs> I believe this deserves a wiggle and a dance. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Alrighty. It's now time to get into the cheese and wine of this conversation. So, Shelly, could you imagine that I'm holding a pair of boxing gloves? Could you take these boxing gloves from me and smash from me, and not my face, please, but some kind of LinkedIn myth, a bogus strategy, or a misconception, and set the record straight once and for all? Absolutely. Let me put those gloves on. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn is not an online resume. <laughs> I love that. LinkedIn is not an online resume. But, you know, that's, that's how we used to see it years ago. And that's why I was never on this platform, because I just couldn't understand the reason why I should be on it until very recently. Yeah, so a lot of people, I mean, I think it's just something that evolved that way, but it was never meant to be that way. It was just something that evolved and people thought, okay, I'm going to take my resume and just plunk everything down on my LinkedIn profile. But your resume has your own job and you're not going to feel attached to your resume. You're going to pick it up. You're going to wipe off the dust when you need it. And then you're going to send it out. But your LinkedIn profile is you. And 
it, it should represent you and the kind of personal branding that you want to do. Uh, you know, you want to have the story that you want to, you know, where you want people to pick off the shelf. So it's definitely not your resume. Do they support each other? Absolutely. But mm. the resume has its own job and mm. LinkedIn has a big job in itself. Yeah, absolutely. So Shelly, before we go any further, could you share with our viewers and listeners, why do you do what you do? Oh, so, um, so LinkedIn gave me, so when I was younger, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to, you know, be a speaker and I was kind of this gregarious kid. Like I love to speak in public. I think I did my first speaking engagement in grade four. Um, but then after there was some bit of bullying and I kind of lost that confidence in myself and I became a career coach and I still am a career coach, a career specialist, but I wanted to find a way, some something that would allow me, some kind of tool that it would allow me to not only empower myself, but empower uh, people around me mm-hmm. and especially women. So mm-hmm. for some reason, when I got on LinkedIn, I was using it like a lot of people were using it, like pretty much like a resume, maybe, maybe a little bit different, but I was really using it just as more of a transactional type of tool, Mm -hmm. but I, I found my voice on LinkedIn. So Mm -hmm. I think that what has happened is that not only have I gotten my voice back, Mm -hmm. I've been able to empower so many people through the platform to Mm -hmm. find their voices and to own their space and tell their stories. And that has been such, so rewarding Mm -hmm. that, um, for me, it, it just allowed me to impact so many people and mm-hmm. in the same and at the same time impact myself. So that's why I do what I do. I originally wanted to um, use LinkedIn to impact uh, students who were, you know, trying to find their career as another way for them to build their confidence and, um, you know, tell their story. And um, but I did never thought that it would, you know, kind of like take on a life of its own and move into something else. I still use it to empower students, but I use it as a tool to empower people in general and also for them to realize that the key to success is um, mastering the art of social reciprocity and LinkedIn lends itself to that. Mm. So uh, there's a few different reasons why I I'm so grateful that LinkedIn is in my life, but um, I've not only helped people individually, I think that LinkedIn is such a great, great force um, to build community and global community. And Mm. for many people, they need community and especially Mm. at this time. So there are several reasons, but I would say those are the most, uh, I, I guess the most prevalent reasons of why I love LinkedIn. Yeah, and, and and that's exactly how we connected as well. So I want to tell people how I found out about you on LinkedIn is is through your Decide to Be Kind movement, right? And when I saw that, it really touched me and, and it clearly told me what you stand for, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I just knew instantly, okay, you know, what kind of person Shelly is. And then, of course, you deep dive into you. you I saw more of your content, but it just, um, it, 
it wasn't it wasn't a resume. It wasn't like okay, Shelley is the LinkedIn trainer, or or uh, or that she's done a degree from a certain university. But uh, what why you do what you do is what personally that's how I found you on LinkedIn and, and we connected and stuff. So yeah, I truly believe what you're saying that that's 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 how we should be using this platform. So I, I guess my next question would be, um, who needs to be on LinkedIn um, and um, like why if and if they decide to be what should they be doing at the you know from the get-go so every single professional should be on LinkedIn Um, and it doesn't matter what you're in or how long you've been in it I mean every fortune 500 uh, company is represented Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn it doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or whether you're starting out in your career in fact It's been interesting to see so many CEOs find their own voice on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. actually start interacting with their clients and their people and their staff. I think it's amazing. Sometimes I look and I think we would never see that if we didn't have LinkedIn. So it's for everybody because it's not, um, it's not, that's another myth. People think they should only be on there when it's time to find a job. And that's not the case at all. LinkedIn is a networking um, site predominantly, and the whole mission of LinkedIn is for professionals to help other professionals advance. Mm. That's, you know, providing them with an opportunity, whether that's just welcoming them into the community, whether that's, you know, collaborating on, on something, sharing an event, being speakers, doing something like this. I mean, there are so many options, but it's, it's really about helping each other. And mm-hmm. that's why for me, the foundation of my training, or mm-hmm. it's always based in social reciprocity first, before I get into how you have to build your, your profile, because yeah. if you don't understand that LinkedIn is about activity and about building relationships, then the rest are, is not going to matter because you'll never feel successful and you'll never feel complete uh, on LinkedIn. You'll always be frustrated <laughs> if yeah. you don't think about relationships first. So yeah. it's a mistake people make. So I try to kind of like if you start out with making those relationships first, you'll feel the value and you'll feel it internally. It will impact you, will impact you at your core. Yeah, absolutely. And the rest will be a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> so you've already touched on one thing. I, I guess my next question would be what what are the things that people are doing wrong on this platform? Or I guess what mistakes to avoid on LinkedIn? I think some people don't, well, first of all, they just, you know, use their resume. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they don't build it completely. They don't take the time to make it their own. So, you know, there's 2000 characters in, in the, in the story part, the about section. More is more. My about section is 1,999 characters. Mm-hmm. You know, this is your story. Impact people, get them to hit that more button. Because the first couple of lines are supposed to be compelling Mm. and catchy. Mm. So if if I'm reading the first couple of lines and I want to read more, I have to click more. What happens is that when somebody clicks more, your algorithm raises. So you're always trying to get people to to want to read your story. It's like Mm. picking that book up off the shelf. So you have to really put thought into what you're writing. Think about how you can impact people. If you notice my story, I don't start talking about what I do for a living. I start talking about, 
you know, the fact that I lost my high heel when I was, when I was a young kid. So I, but I mean, what has happened as a result of that is that people want to see where did that lead me? What happened as a result of that? So, um, they hit the more and, and, you know, that's how you become popular and likable on LinkedIn. And you have to be likable because that's what's going to make LinkedIn, the algorithm of LinkedIn feel that you're important. This is a networking site. So if you're not networking and building relationships, LinkedIn doesn't value you as, um, as a entity on that, that, on that tool, on that platform. So you have to make it so that LinkedIn is tuning in and saying, uh, you know, through the algorithm and recognizing that you're a valuable uh, piece of, of that, of that platform. So it's up to us to do that. So, you know, it's, it's really just important that you're not only building your profile, but your active activity is so important. Mm. The third thing is not going in there with a me, me, me attitude, but Mm. thinking about other people. Once you start taking the, the attention off of yourself and thinking more about the people around you, uh, more gifts will come your way. Definitely. And four, think about the visuals that you use. Like the background photo is your billboard. Think about what you would want to put on your billboard. Do you have a website? Do you want to showcase yourself in action? Do you want to, um, do you have a tagline? Do you want to make it colorful or do you want to connect yourself to, to industry or do you have your own business? and a product and a service that you want to put out there because that background photo follows you everywhere. Hmm. Um, there are four parts of the, the LinkedIn algorithm, the search algorithm to help you be, be found in search results. Hmm. Number one is the tagline. Hmm. So never mind your, um, never mind your uh, title. Titles don't really matter on LinkedIn. It's who you are behind the title. Hmm. So use that 300 um, character space to really yeah. tell yourself about tell people about you and what you have to offer and differentiate yourself the second part of the search algorithm is the about section where mm-hmm. you talk where you tell your story and integrate keywords but talk a little in a holistic and catchy way the third part of the algorithm is the skill section and the fourth part is the experience section so all of those should link together plus the visuals to tell to tell your story in an impactful way. So every time you don't fill in one of those sections, it will be more difficult for somebody to find you in search results. And um, and yeah, and customize it. Every interaction that you have, make sure that you're writing a note. Tell yeah. them your why, like yeah. Simon Sinek says. Yeah. Uh, tell them your why. And um, once you start doing that, all your relationships will be based in trust. It, the foundation will start to be built from that moment on. So those are my key. um, There's a lot more, but definitely those are are my top uh, suggestions for moving forward with LinkedIn. Okay, so that begs another question, which I hear so many people give different, uh, you know, answers to that. I don't know what what works and what not. It's the keywords. How important are keywords? And, you know, some say the first word on your uh, on your tagline should be your keyword and then it should be repeated so many times in about section. And then, so I, I really want to know what, what the truth behind the usage of keywords. Uh, there's no real number. It's just yeah. that you want to make sure that they're integrated. This is a story. So sometimes mm-hmm. people like just take these keywords and put them there and then repeat them and repeat them. And that's not what it's about. It's not about repeating them, but mm-hmm. you can repeat them. It, it's okay to repeat a little bit on LinkedIn. But 
it has to be integrated into your story. So you have to think about the keywords that are going to be important for you, the keywords that you want to market, but you have to make sure that they're integrated in a story. So the four parts of the, the LinkedIn algorithm that I just mentioned, make mm-hmm. sure that they're somewhere in those four parts, but make sure that they're integrated in something that matters. So yeah. for example, your tagline, you're not just going to, you don't have to have just a bunch of, of, of words. But what you can do is start off with something catchy, show your personality, and then integrate a first a, a couple of keywords that you know are going to be repeated throughout those other sections of your story. But the story is more important, and okay. then keywords support that story, but they also support what um, keywords are really important for recruiters and employers. So if you're that, if you're a person who is, for example, searching for a job then your why might be different than somebody who is there to network only because your why is about getting a job and you have to make sure that those keywords are present because those are the words that the employer is going to search in LinkedIn recruiter to help find, to help them find the right candidates. Yeah. So it depends on your why and yeah. where it's going to show up. But as long as you're putting some of those words, mm-hmm. keywords in those four areas, yeah. Uh, it will help you to be searched and found and recognized. But also remember that the story matters because nobody's going to be connected to words. We have an com- emotional connection to stories, not an emotional connection to words. Okay. Uh, and um, how important, or let's say, um, what is the main metric that you measure when it comes to LinkedIn? Do you know that how well you are doing on LinkedIn? So I often look at my, um, I definitely look, like I try to post every day. Um, I try to post in the newsfeed or I do my Changemaker series every month. And I do, which you've been in. So I mean, like, you know, I, I try to, I try to go back and there's an analytics, like you can look and see what kind of, um, uh, what kind of audience reception you've had within that um, newsfeed. So I always look to see, because I get quite a bit, like when I do write something, I tend to get quite a bit of action. Like I would say that I get at least normally about 2000 views minimum, you know, and I get comments and, but a couple, about a few weeks ago, I uh, recognized that I had written something And I didn't get that many. So I was just looking one day and I realized that, you know, the analytics were not on my side. So I thought there was something wrong. So I wrote to LinkedIn and I said, I think there's something wrong. They said, no, there's not something wrong. We LinkedIn just determined that Mm. that you were not, it was not considered a quality post. Right. So I wasn't getting a lot of like traction because I wasn't thinking maybe about my audience and what I was posting. Maybe mm-hmm. that post wasn't one that was considered like um, a, a relevant topic or hitting my ideal audience like I normally do. So mm-hmm. I had to take a look at that and I had to think, Shelly, always remember. And if you see that happening over, uh, over a period of time, go back and really think, what were you doing before? What has changed? And then take the time to really go back and concentrate on what kind of content that you're putting out there. And is it, is it connecting to your ideal audience? 
Mm-hmm. So it's not just about having an audience. It's about having an ideal audience mm. and really writing for them. Yeah. So that's what I think about. But LinkedIn, they just said, no, there was nothing wrong. You're just, your content wasn't quality. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk more about that. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is um, the profile views. So how important is the post views to profile views? To the post file, uh, post views to profile views. Yeah. Well, profile, I think it comes into like um, followers and like, I mean, you're looking at the number of followers you have, the number of connections that you have. Like you always want to be building on that because again, you want to have minimum 500 connections. So your goal is always to have 500 connections, but you can't just be thinking about quantity. You have to always be thinking of quality because mm-hmm. if I have 500 connections, And they're not part of my, they're not going to be, the majority are not going to be supporting me and Mm -hmm. following me and connecting with me. And then it's not going to make a difference in the, in the, in the big scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So I have to, I have to worry about numbers because once you hit 500, you're in a different category internally on LinkedIn. Like Mm -hmm. you've achieved that kind of like networker network expert networker space before 500. I mean, if you have less than 50, you're not even an entity. (laughs) Once you reach 50, because it's networking, right? You need to have a community. And then as you grow, it, uh, it tells LinkedIn as like, you're gradually building your community. It's Mm -hmm. telling LinkedIn that you're an active networker, which Mm -hmm. they want, Mm -hmm. you know, they want you as an active networker. So that's what they're always looking at. So, yeah. of course, it's really, really important to be continuously building that. Like, I have a challenge every single term for myself. Yeah. Like, I will always say I'm going to have two, 250 new connections mm. per term, right? Mm. And, uh, and I do it. And I, I, because I know that that's going to keep me high on the algorithm. It's going right. to show them that I'm building my network. And once you connect with somebody, it also gives you the followers and it gives you a chance to earn more followers, which is important to LinkedIn, Mm. right? So there's that side. The post views is because you have to be active. So Mm. the post views show that you're popular and Mm -hmm. that the content that you're driving is being receptive to other people. So if I'm driving content and more people are commenting, and discussion ensues, then that means that my content is building momentum on LinkedIn. And that means I can have power on LinkedIn Mm. to bring people, you know, to to bring people together, to make sure that they're coming back to LinkedIn, because Mm. they like the content, you Mm. know, it's like an influencer, I don't really use that word too much. But um, it it comes down to that you're influencing people. And LinkedIn wants you to be an influencer. Basically, they don't want you to build your profile and then not do anything with it. You know, recently I noticed something on my own profile uh, is that I'm getting less less views on the post, but my profile visits, the profile visits is way higher. My SSI score is higher. I don't know if it means anything, but I've not looked into it. But I know every now and then I just check it. That's gone up, right? So I couldn't understand, okay, what, what, what is the relationship? What am I doing wrong and what am I doing right? There's no wrong or right. I, think, yeah. I just think, like I said, like I go down in lulls too. Like I think it's just, 
when I'm on the platform, like sometimes I'm not as consistent or maybe I'm at an unusual time or maybe I don't have the same, you know, length of time to spend connecting with people and comment because, you know, social reciprocity means that I have to spend a certain amount of time on other people's content, right? I have to spend uh, a certain amount of time making sure that I am on other people's content. So if I don't have the same amount of time that can, that can sometimes like reduce my numbers. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but like on a good week, I'm Mm. devoting time to other people Mm. regularly and I'm devoting time to putting things out there, Um, developing, um, devoting time to content, devoting time to building my network and devoting content to supporting my network. So if I do those three things, normally I'm in a winner week, (laughs) but if I don't, if I don't have time, you know, then, then sometimes, and I accept that because that's just the nature of the, the platform, we're going to have our ups and downs. And yeah. I discuss with a lot of other uh, LinkedIn experts because we're kind of a family together. We're all on the rock star list. We all kind of like talk with each other. And I would say that we we all have gone through that where our numbers are down. We wonder why we connect with LinkedIn. They tell us the same thing. Yeah. It's just, you know, so there's so many things to think about because LinkedIn is such a comprehensive platform because not only are you thinking about the content you have to write but you're thinking about where to put that content you're thinking about your niche you're thinking about the if that niche is going to be where is that niche going to be picked up who's going to embrace that niche who's going to support that niche because the more support you get the more you the the stronger your reach is so you're always trying to build that not only community but build that supportive community so that if you put something out there, you can already depend on like 50 people to create that kind of like that, that kind of like, um, I don't know what you would call it, but that kind of um, activity. Um, yeah. So you put something out, you, you know that they're going to support you. It's going to go further. You're going to build new contacts. So it's like yeah. just kind of getting that activity rolling yeah. and, and, and knowing. But we can't do it every week. But I don't think yeah. at the end of the day that it really... You know, if you have a bad week, I just yeah. say, okay, I didn't have that much time this week. Yeah. And the next week, I give it more time. I just yeah. kind of balance it like that. Yeah. So, okay. So what about, so there's a difference between, which of course I've noticed in my post as well, when you share a text post, image post, and video post. So text post gets, for example, one text post may get 2,000 views. And then I share an image post. Okay, image post got 300 views, more views. Share a video post video post, 100 views, right? So I'm just trying to figure out, okay, people say mix up the type of content, you mix up with text. But but what does it mean that if video is getting 100 views, and I don't know how that's calculated, how they're calculating views, what is a view in in LinkedIn's? Maybe you could elaborate more on that. A view is a view. It's just a simple, it's like at the bottom of the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's at the bottom of the the, the, quote unquote, the three you know? second view for like, videos. It, you know, is it a three second view? Is it like, well, a, like oh, it can be a second view? You know what okay. I mean? It's not about the length of time of the view. It's just about the view. So okay. I could click on your thing, and I I might not even read the whole thing. It's going to show up as a view. Um, a view is important, but it's not. It's not really. Of course, at the end of the day, everything is taken into consideration, but. You want to have 
um, interaction. The best thing that you can do and the things that help um, LinkedIn uh, the most is when you have something that creates discussion. So, you know, I wouldn't say to focus too much on the views. It's something I don't do too much. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, I'll look at the views and I'll want to see, oh, there's 3,000 views. It's great. But what is more important to LinkedIn than the views is whether or not um, uh, comments, discussion, sharing came out of that. Um, um, that, That means more to LinkedIn than a view. Mm. Okay, that's very interesting because because um, if if the comments if there's not much engagement happening, does that mean LinkedIn is going to rank you down? Well, it's just for that for for maybe that moment, but not not long term. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Just for that moment, it might be down, but it's it's not like it holds you down. It's just yeah. that that might not be. You know, we can't have all all of us can have posts. I mean, my posts are not always. Um, you know, if I do a change maker series, I can guarantee that that's, you know, 18 people, I'm showcasing 18 people. I know it's going to go far. I know the views are going to be there. Um, I know the interaction's going to be there. I know the sharing's going to be there because I make sure the, to tag those people that I've showcased and, and people know that, like I've been doing it now since 2018, right? The beginning of 2018. So people are aware of that and, uh, they're going to support it. Um, but I, I think that we can't always have high, high views because number one, people, you know, LinkedIn goes in waves. So for example, um, if you're on, if you're doing a post on the weekend, according to LinkedIn, you're definitely not going to get as many views because it's a downtime, mm-hmm. right? It's a downtime. Uh, but yet I post on the weekend because that's when I'm freer, right? I may, so I post anyway, and I still get the views and the comments and the interaction. But, you know, they say that the high, the the best times to post on LinkedIn are like Tuesdays. Tuesday mm. is the day that supposedly is the best day to connect on LinkedIn because it has the most activity. So I think it also has to do when when you post what you post. And it all also comes down to whether or not it's um, it's uh, it meets your ideals audience is expectations right like it it all comes down to how the post is embraced and there's some things that you can do to help it so Mm -hmm. like um having hashtags and making people like you should have three minimum three hashtags and you're putting those in all of your communications and you're actually telling people to to follow them Mm -hmm. so you know you can even do a post where you have your hashtag and you could say you know for more on this please follow this hashtag, like be proactive. You can even do a post on your own hashtags because people may not even know. Like, yeah. so I that with like the decide to be kind and the kind club um, using hashtags. That's one way. Then tagging a few people, but tagging people that are relevant. Mm-hmm. And then three, maybe going back to that post, like after it's, you know, you've had a 24 hour lull in the post, mm-hmm. going back and making sure that you answer or that you interact with the people that actually um, connected or um, embraced the post or said something on the post. Yeah. Go back. And if nobody has said something, maybe this is your chance to create something again within the the comment feed. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can start something, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not about doing something and then just giving up on it, but it's maybe, oh, I didn't get 
that much this time. What can I do to change it up again, to make it more interactive, to make it more, um, to make it uh, more desirable for the audience? Right. So do you, would you tag these people in the post itself or in the comments? So sometimes LinkedIn can be a little bit, uh, it can be difficult to, I like to put them in the, in the post itself, mm-hmm. but sometimes LinkedIn causes me agony <laughs> <laughs> because I have, a, I sometimes struggle to, with the tags, exactly. like they have, they have problems with the tags. It's not like yeah. a easy peasy thing. It isn't. So yeah. if I can't do it in there, I put them in the comments, but ideally I would like to have it in the post, okay. but I don't think it really matters in terms okay. of as long as the connection is there. Um, you know, okay. as long as you're putting their, them there. Yeah. And, um, and usually I, I make it a point of always, I do tag, I mm-hmm. do tag, but I tag because um, the post is relevant. I don't tag just a tag because a lot of people do that and then they get a bad rap for tagging people just to tag because then it looks like you're trying to build your community by using people and that's not what I do I don't yeah. to do that I don't that's not my personality but I do tag people because people tag me and again it's social reciprocity right in order for uh, link because we have probably so many connections like I look at myself and I'm near 13,000 connections if I don't be proactive to make sure that my uh, content goes in other people's feeds, then it won't. I have to, I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible for making sure that it goes in people's feeds. Because uh, when we have a lot of connections and a lot of activity, yeah. it doesn't take long for that to, to go to the bottom of the feed. Yeah. And, and you can easily miss out on something. So I try my best to do things that are going to make sure that um, I'm getting some visibility yeah. with that, um, with the, the posts that I, that I put out there. So would you say tagging is the main thing you would do to make sure you turn, uh, come, turn up in other people's feeds? I think it's the timing that you, you put it out. Like, for example, you should be, uh, it should be a good time when, you know, people, the majority of people are going to be around, maybe mm-hmm. diversifying your time a little bit. Maybe not posting too much because if you post yeah. too much, your first post will go will will yeah. um, will go down the feed very quickly, right? Tagging yeah. is another way. The hashtags are another way, and how you write the content. If you if you write it in a way like some people want to just they they take the easy route, mm. like they just post a post. But if you're really thinking about what people really want to listen to and hear, then it's okay to maybe put things down that other people may maybe want to hear but wouldn't say. Like, mm-hmm. so it's okay to be, I think, like I try to put things out there, not all the time, mm-hmm. but I think what I try to do is if I have a couple of posts that are just normal posts, talking about LinkedIn or a new feature, but I also talk about maybe things that people don't want to talk about, Mm -hmm. Uh, like the bullying on LinkedIn. It's not an easy subject, but it exists. So I, you know, through the decide to be kind campaign, I put that out there. And as a result, I formed this kind club. Mm -hmm. And that's because either people have been bullied and they want to tell their story, 
or they know people who've been bullied and they want to tell their story or they want to show support for people in general because on LinkedIn, unfortunately, the topic of bully, bullying often goes unrecognized because we don't expect it. But mm. you got to remember that professionals, we can all be professionals, but mm. there are some professionals that are jealous and mm. there are some professionals that are bullies and, mm. and it exists on LinkedIn. So I think by having that particular, um, that topic mm. that a lot of people are wanting to know more about and be yeah. part of, that they follow the, the tag. And so that when I do put something out, I tend to get a lot of um, uh, engagement or engagement because it's a topic that people want to talk about. And because they want to talk about, they follow my hashtags and they, and they look for that. So um, yeah. So, I mean, there's the, it's not just one thing that you have to keep in mind. It's like, that's why it's so complex. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's it's not, unfortunately it's not one path. but, I, but LinkedIn certainly has an algorithm for like LinkedIn Live and podcasts. And, and so even when you're not getting the numbers that you want, believe mm-hmm. it or not, it actually has a high, uh, high rating within LinkedIn. Like because they want, because, and I'll tell you why, okay. because it's a networking event, mm-hmm. a, a networking platform, mm-hmm. video and podcasts and stuff like this makes LinkedIn almost similar, like, closer to simulating the real thing offline and they want the platform to be as close to the offline experience as possible mm-hmm. so that's why they have stuff like linkedin live that's why they have those special algorithms to pick up on podcasts because look at us today you know mm-hmm. we're miles away from each other but yet we're able to converse and feel like we're just next to each other having a coffee right yeah. so even if you don't get as mu- as many um, likes and views, it still doesn't mean that you're not getting um, attention from the algorithm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I also want to uh, talk to you about pods. But before we do that, I wanted to talk from, from a business owner's point of view. Let's say we are connecting with people. We are posting thought leadership content. Engagement has started to happen. Now, as our number grows, our connection uh, grows, number of connections grows. Now, we're connected to thousands and thousands of people. How do we now continue to stay in their radar? Like, you, you can't personally email four or 5,000 people, right? So would you go in their DMs? Would you use an automation tool? What What is your process when you consult clients that how should they be engaging with those people now that they are in their um, in their sphere? But you're not, it's like a networking event. You're not going to need to engage with everybody. I mean, if I had to engage with the 13,000 connections I've had, that's all I'd be doing. So, no, I I don't use any automation because I'm I'm kind of not that's not my style. I just don't like automation. I, I, you know, I even joined an exercise program recently online and it was all automation and it totally turned me off. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't Mm -hmm. I didn't feel connected to that person. I so I want people to feel connected to me. That is that is my value on LinkedIn. My value is that who you see offline is who you see online. I don't expect to. um, So what I do is I customize everything. There's Mm. not one person who gets anything less than a customized invite. Mm -hmm. I have people kind of like 
Um, so what I do is I have kind of my own way of, um, I have people in the career development area. I have people who are LinkedIn experts. Mm. We belong to uh, a group together. So I'll mm. talk a little bit about that. Not a pod. That's yeah. totally different. Yeah. We yeah. belong to a group together, a real group, um, and a DM group as well. Like they're connected. So we, and that's where we share best practices together. So right. I can go on that anytime. And I know that I'm going to have the 50 or so LinkedIn experts all in one area. Right. My career people, that's another area. My decide to be kind. I have the kind club and I have, um, you know, my own group of people there. So I don't lose track of who's involved. Mm. And, and that allows me to communicate to that group of people. Mm. Because mm. I have something special for that group of people. Mm. When, and I want them to follow my content. So when I do a post on my regular feed, I also do the same post in the group. Mm. So that allows them to um, uh, comment on the feed, but to go to the regular uh, comment in the group, but to go to the regular feed. So right. that's a way to be strategic. But I don't expect the 13,000 people that I have. Yeah. I don't expect to have an involvement with them. But the way that I see it is that I go to a networking event and I'm a networker. I network. But at the end of the day, when I walk out of that networking event, there may be three or four people that I want to follow up with that I, that I see where there could be a connection with and that I'm going to try and nurture that relationship. Mm. So whether it's to kind of do a zoom call, mm. have a LinkedIn latte mm. offline, uh, online. I mean, now <laughs> yes. you know, to do something to bring us closer together, because the more that I do that, the more that they will be connected on my feed. So when I do put something out there, uh, it's automatically going to go on their feet. The more touch points that you have, the mm. more the more you put out on your feet, the more it will go on their feet. So mm. I try to keep those touch points, mm. but I know that I can never, you know, and I don't have to. I mm. have my group of regulars that I try and stay connected to. And then in the process of meeting other people, there are some along the way that I know we're going to do more of an investment. It doesn't mean I don't want to invest with all of the other people, but it just means it, it may not even be the time and place. Whereas, you know, if I'm meeting somebody and, you know, for example, just recently I met somebody who's doing great things with, you know, um, young, young girls and eating disorders. And, you know, there's a lot of bullying around that. So, you know, together we can collaborate and we've mm -hmm. taken it off on a Zoom call and we're chatting about it. And, Mm. become kind of friends and supporters because we're after a, a certain goal mm. so you're going to find those people mm. but for example if I was doing an event and it was all career-based what I would do is I would go and search on I would go in the search I would mm. put on my filters mm. I would find my first connections who are career specialists mm -hmm. I would and I would probably send them a dm and say hey you know it's a long time since I talked it would i have this event going uh, coming up with you know in regards to career uh development and it would be great to have you involved and it's great to see you again and i might do that individual to some i might do a 50 group if it's a if it's a, a collaborative thing that i want to put out because you can send a note to 50 people if it's mm -hmm. something like that so or i might just do an individual note and reconnect what i've started to do to it's funny you're asking me that yeah. 
I've tried to recently, once a week, I think about 10 people that mm. have come into my life that I haven't talked to for a while. Right. So I write 10 people a message through the DM. Mm. And just say, you know, it's a long time since I've connected with you. What are you up to? And yeah. it's been so great reconnecting with those yeah. people. But that's what you have to do on LinkedIn. Yeah. because You can have 13,000, 15,000, 9,000, 7,000 people. It's a lot of people. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't yeah. and, and, and you don't have to manage yeah. all of those people. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I'll give you a little story. Just yeah. to put it in perspective, when I was in Montreal, this I, I started my LinkedIn journey in Montreal. I moved to Toronto five years ago. I mm. didn't have community here in Toronto at all. I might have known one or two people. That's it. But what I did was I went on LinkedIn. I did a search for my first level connections, mm. people that I had connected with in Montreal, in Toronto. I connected with them. I, I sent them all a note. I said, I'm coming to Toronto. Within mm. a two-week period, I had got together for coffee with 11 people that I originally met, you know, via LinkedIn. Mm. And now they're my community. That's how I built community oh, wow. when I moved to Toronto. And I could pretty much go anywhere. I could go to Vancouver. Yeah. I could go to, India, I could go to uh, Israel. I could go anywhere. And I would have a uh, already built community. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such a great tip. What? How amazing is yeah. that? I yeah. don't worry about that anymore. You can send me anywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. And with, with the number of followers you have, I'm sure you'll find somebody in each part of the world that yeah. you're already connected with. So once this COVID lets up, like I just want to travel and do LinkedIn Live, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I want to touch quickly upon LinkedIn groups because I've not figured out LinkedIn groups at all. I joined lots of LinkedIn groups because I thought they were like Facebook groups because Facebook groups are very engaging, very, yeah. you know, a lot of, lot of conversations happen. So I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to be in LinkedIn groups. Every single one that I joined, there is absolutely no engagement. So I have not done anything with it. So I'm like figuring it out. Is What are they for? And why should anyone join them? I'm not... I, you know, LinkedIn groups for me are, yeah, I will agree with you there. And I think LinkedIn over the last couple of years, I know that I've been involved in uh, some, you know, focus groups with regards to groups on LinkedIn, because it isn't um, something that is, um, has the most engagement or is being utilized or optimized like it should be. Yeah. Uh, there are a few LinkedIn groups on um, LinkedIn that are, you know, doing well. Mm -hmm. But it takes a certain kind of person to to manage the group. So it it takes somebody who's going to not only run the group, but have a specific uh, guideline of how that LinkedIn group is going to be run. Mm. So I know that. I'm involved. I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm so little in groups that it's you know. But the the couple of groups that I do find really good mm. are the ones that have an objective and stand by it, and they're very consistent in what they do. So, um, you know, I don't know if you know Jeff Young. He has his LinkedIn yeah. Guru group, but Jeff is very consistent, and I know that. On a regular basis, he posts in his group and he posts regularly about his knowledge around LinkedIn. 
and you know that he's going to be consistent and you know that the people are in there are all people that really want to, you know, have a, a, a bigger edge when it comes to LinkedIn to level up their LinkedIn game. So I like what he does with, does with the LinkedIn Google group. Okay. Um, I also belong to a LinkedIn expert group, just a group of us that's very defined. We've all reached a certain level. We're in terms of our LinkedIn knowledge. We're all influencers, I guess. I'll call it that for lack of a better word. But And so we come together. It's not a public group. It's a private group. Mm. And it works because we can come together and we know everybody is situated in one group. So mm. again, getting back to your question before, if I want to reach a certain population and talk with certain population, I have that available to me within the group. Mm. Uh, but it's very defined. Mm. But in terms of I belong to a lot of groups. I just recently did a cleanup of that because I always go back and I think, are they active or not active? And I, and and a lot of them I got rid of because they weren't active, they weren't growing. So now I'm I'm slowly getting myself down to about five groups. And the funny thing is, is that when I started to really get involved with LinkedIn, I realized that the whole idea is to only be involved in three to five groups, really. Mm-hmm. But really show your expertise, get into a group where you can be a dominant and not dominant in a a bad way, but be an influencer within that group, because Mm. then you can gain um, followers, you can gain contacts, you can gain connections. Uh, But if you're not, you have to take control of that. Otherwise, your experience will just be a passive experience. And then you'll want to get out of the group because it's not doing anything. Yeah. The, the whole idea behind groups is you just need to have to be invested yourself and to make it run. And if it's not working, make your own group, but go in there with the idea of I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to have, this is my why, this is the why of the group. And mm-hmm. then you have to make sure that you're consistent and invite people. What I would do is just like I did when I started out on LinkedIn, I invited 50 people personally to that group and I told them, I'm giving you a job. Your job is to help me to, um, to keep this um, group going. Your job is to help to be an ambassador and yes. this is what this group is about. So I went to 50 of my followers because I helped those 50 followers yes. or yes. connections. So I gave them a role to play and uh, in return, I supported them. So that's, again, social reciprocity. So if you really want a group to work, you have to be invested and you have to get people on your side. And even it's not a bad thing to give them administrative rights Mm. so that you're not the only person who has to make that commitment to to um, to populating that that group and Mm. and content on that group all the time. Yeah. Turns you could do it as a group. I love when people get together and it's not only one person but it's three or four people coming together, owning it, and then doing something with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so do you have your own LinkedIn group? I only belong to, well, just the Decide to Be Kind group. Yes. Decide to Be Kind group. Yeah. All right. So lastly, I have to touch up on this, okay? We cannot have a conversation about LinkedIn without talking about pods. Okay. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite subjects. One of your favorite subjects. Okay. So, you know, recently, I mean, you know, of course, uh, in my feed, I see a lot of LinkedIn uh, coaches, trainers, 
people talking about. And I see this one person who's a big influencer, is like 200, 300,000 followers, talks about LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn all the time, right? And, and I know for sure that their team members, all of them, they use pods because I've seen them, in, right? And and you can tell that they're using pods to uh, to make it look like that they're getting a lot of engagement. But then in the comments, you see it's the same comments appearing, same people. So you just know. Um, so what I wanted to to know, and I tested this out myself because I'm a marketer, right? It's my right. job to test out what all these things. So we did an experiment, right? And this is from my own experiment, so it's not anybody else's experiment. So uh, I joined a couple of these uh, pods and I wanted to experiment what, are, what they were doing and see, you know, is it really what they're saying what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So of course, these are humans, but what happened? This is, this is what happened, Shelly. This is for real, <laughs> right? Um, so, of course, you would see that you, you'd get a lot of 70, 80, uh, 100, 200, 300 likes. Depends how many pods you join. You can get 700, 800 in whatever number you like, seriously, you know, you, you can get that. But what happened is that my number of views was very low on each post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So four or 500 engagement, but not um, uh, a lot of views. And then my profile views just stayed stagnant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is like people visiting your profile and stuff. So I, I did not, plus I realized that none of these people, which should have, no, no, before, but of course it was a test. I wanted to test it because it's the knowledge we pass on to our clients. Of course, yeah. Um, so uh, it's the, not, not the right kind of people that I, I am connected to because if these people are now engaging with my posts, I'm assuming the LinkedIn algorithm is going to work in that way that said these are the kind of people you need to be connected to or you should be seeing their posts. I'm assuming that's how the algorithm works. Um, so obviously it just all went haywire. I was get, I was not seeing the posts of the people that I used to uh, engage with, mm-hmm. right? That I wanted to see the posts. Their posts totally disappear from my feed, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and I was seeing obviously posts of random people and not getting, anyway. And so obviously we had to do a post experiment as well. Okay, what happens <laughs> now we get, got, we get rid of uh, these bots? Right. And, mm-hmm. and immediately I started seeing the, those people back in my feed who I used to engage yeah. with. Post views went up, profile views jumped up. Yeah. Although, of course, the engagement, like likes, hearts, whatever, was much lower, you mm-hmm. know, you know, it's, but it, to me, it didn't really matter when I saw that m- more people are uh, viewing the post or I'm getting more profile views and I'm actually getting DM inquiries. Yes. Right. People are turning up in my inbox and wanting to have conversations with me. None of them came from those pods. Right. And and so these influencers that I'm talking to you about, LinkedIn influencers, they are actually talking about that. It's you know, they are used using these pods to boost up these views or these engagements and and think or, you know, that's what they do for their clients as well. I'm assuming, I don't know what they do for their clients, but, um, but they're using it themselves, which shows that they will do that for their clients and they would teach the same thing as well. So mm-hmm. I want to get your take on this. So none of the experts that are real experts, um, not, 
<laughs> not pod experts, but real experts mm-hmm. uh, don't belong to any pods that I can tell you um, precisely. Second of all, um, LinkedIn has done a lot of work in recognizing these pods. So you can end up in LinkedIn jail because you're in a pod because it's somebody who's trying to outdo LinkedIn. So I always say good luck to you. If you think that if that's what you have way too much time on your hands mm-hmm. and number two, you're never going to win the system. But if that's what you want to do, number three, what is the what is the um, KPI or what is the ROI, I guess, in having a pile of likes or a pile of hearts when it's all fake hearts, like it's fake love. Right. So what is the ROI in that? Because at the end of the day, they're not going to support you when the support is really needed. So um, so I have a really big problem with pods. I joined one one time because I like living the experience. Like I said, I love living in the, the action and putting myself in there. And what I saw was control. What I saw was people asking for money. What I saw was people uh, preying on the vulnerable souls. And building, pretending that they were building a community for them just to turn around and oust them when they couldn't keep up with the amount that was amount of likes that was expected from them. And that's one of the reasons why the Decide to Be Kind campaign against bullying on LinkedIn came about, because these people were harassed and bullied so much, the people that were thrown out of the pods for not liking and um, you know doing everything else that was expected of them mm. that they that they actually left the platform and I mean some wow. uh, I, I mean there's some severe cases out there and I couldn't believe it because some were even in my change maker series but got into a pod when they were in a vulnerable time right um, so you know LinkedIn is all about authentic relationships it's like networking so if you want to go to a networking event, and you want to pick up all the cards you want and take them home and think that you're doing a great job, then mm. great. I personally don't even use business cards anymore because mm. they've never meant anything to me. Yeah. I put them in the, I, you know, I barely even looked at them. Yeah. And um, so when I go to a, a networking event, if I walk away with two or three people that I know I'm going to be speaking to the next day, and we're either going to collaborate or we're going to introduce somebody to each other or we're going to provide an opportunity. We're going to scratch each other's back. Then that will make up for the hundreds of people in the pods giving you fake hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's all about control. I think people are um, popularity hungry. Mm-hmm. If you really ask them anything deep, they'll never be able to give you an answer. Like if you ask any of those people who consider themselves to be big influencers because they have 300,000, whatever uh, followers, mm. ask them something deep about LinkedIn. Mm. They'll never be able to tell you. They'll yeah. never be able to tell you because they care about the wrong things on yeah. LinkedIn. And it's not a popular, it, you have to be popular on LinkedIn because you want to be a great networker. People like likable people, mm. but they don't like people who are fake. So having all of those numbers and just, you know what? I get tired of going to somebody's post and just seeing the same people 
liking mm-hmm. the same post over and over again. That's mm-hmm. not giving you any credibility. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in those pods. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I'm glad that I lived it out for a while because I really saw mm-hmm. what was taking place. And I was really happy that I lived it so that I could talk about it. Yeah. 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 But, you know, now pods have moved into automation. So now now they're automated software. So you just join these pods. Let's say you join a marketing pod, for example. It's got 100 people in there. uh, And the software then automatically um, uh, engages with you. You you let them know. You you leave a uh, link to your post. uh, And the software automatically likes, 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 likes. um, Yeah. But a lot of those software, like you have to be careful because LinkedIn is um, so there have been people that and just one recently and uh, I don't necessarily. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, he got booted off the system just recently. Somebody that I've known for quite a while and he got booted off for no other reason um, than to be using this automation um stuff. Mm-hmm. And I will say one thing, one time I was looking at one of the uh the Chrome extensions mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. was available to, you know, and I was just looking at it. I didn't yeah. even in, I didn't even like that because it's not me, but of course I want to be in the know. Mm-hmm. And just because I was looking at it, I got a message from LinkedIn mm-hmm. stating in my email mm-hmm. stating that if I did not get rid of that and stop looking at that um i was going to be kicked off the system oh really yeah little old me yeah and uh but that was and i hadn't even used it i hadn't yeah. even used it but they were aware of it and they have people in place now especially with the the privacy the new you know the the new implementations of what they're trying to do with increasing mm-hmm. the privacy and this you know regulating the spam that comes our way and all of that um, they don't want that to happen. So, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that they will have, you know, as um, they have somebody in place for for privacy issues and yeah. stuff like that, we'll start seeing um, that happen. Uh, but it takes so long. And I and I think that I want to just say one thing is that. You know, blocking. So blocking when they originally started LinkedIn, they mm-hmm. started LinkedIn. And they didn't have the blocking feature. Blocking mm. feature only came after so many cases and then a case of harassment came. And in 2011, they implemented blocking. So, so we can actually block a content. To block, you know, we can block a con- content. Oh, okay. That wasn't there in the original LinkedIn uh, okay. you know, platform. But what happened as a result of finally somebody uh, getting lawyers and all mm. of that in 2011, they actually um, had to, uh, they actually implemented that. But it takes a long time for a big platform yeah. with over 750,000, yeah, yeah. you know, connections for them to do something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. All right. It is now the time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what, is it gossip time? Or <laughs> the fun pickup lines time? Or tell an embarrassing joke time? Oh, Fortunately, we are not that type of a show, not yet anyway. But what it is time for is... It's the 48-hour challenge time. So, Shelly, 
This is where I ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement in the next 48 hours that doesn't cost an arm and a leg or requires a large team to execute it. You mean on LinkedIn? Yes. Yeah, yeah on LinkedIn. You can build your background billboard. You can use canva.com and you can even with the free version of Canva, you could do an excellent, excellent background billboard for yourself on LinkedIn. That's yeah. one thing that you can definitely do. That's a, that's a good and easy 48-hour challenge. You can do it in a few minutes, actually. <laughs> and the other thing I would say is ask for a reference. Think about somebody who could give you a reference. Reach out to that person and write down. Don't use what is there already, but write down what you could ask them, what, mm. what, they could, what you could ask them to talk about. Um, so... It, you know, you have quite a big space there when you're asking for a reference, but write down all of the things, whether it's a project, whether it's a collaboration and ask them for a reference because social res- uh, recognition is really, really important on LinkedIn. Actually, we didn't talk about recommendations. Does, does that help your profile uh, come up more uh, in algorithms if you have more recommendations? It just helps with social. Well, I guess it depends on what they write. That's why it's important yeah. to to support that and tell them what you want to write. You don't want a general one anyway, but because it connects with that experience, but you want to be able to have some social recognition there because it's important. It helps build your credibility. So just like endorsements, recommendations are part of the the ways LinkedIn can offer you a way to build your credibility so that, you know, because there's a lot of competition out there offline and online. So, you know, what makes you, what differentiates you? Why should people come and connect with you. And, and, you know, we all have a chance to build relationships and not everybody's going to come to me as a LinkedIn trainer, but the people who do come to me, come to me because they, they genuinely like the way Mm. uh, they like who I am and they like what I believe in and they like what my foundation is Mm. built on. Right. So we all have a chance to do that. So with social recognition, it just, it's like going to that doctor. We, we go to that doctor or dentist because maybe they were recommended or a mm. product and a service, you know, mm. right, social, recommend, uh, social recognition is important on the LinkedIn platform. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Charlie, where can our fabulous viewers and listeners find you? Where can they follow your content? Well, they can follow me definitely on LinkedIn. I'm there quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, exactly. Yeah. And uh, my, um, you can find me on linkedexpress.ca. So uh, that's my website. And you can also see me in the Decide to Be Kind campaign. Um, I I write about that all the time. People who are becoming part of the Kind Club all over the world and uh, standing up to bullying on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And what's the hashtag for that? So hashtag Decide to Be Kind, hashtag Kind Club. Awesome. Awesome. We will have all of those in the show notes anyway. Or, and if you're viewing it, you can you can check out the links on the screen. And that's uh, Shelly's website. And definitely connect with her. Follow her on linkedin.com forward slash and forward slash salesliker. All right, Shelly. Thank you so much for joining me today and bringing your fabulous self. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. And uh you're just like a ray of sunshine. It was great to, oh, great to get to know you. <laughs> Good to know you too. All right, Shelly. Until next time, toodaloo for now. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.